You've tuned into another episode of Radio Free HPC, the show where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and a variety of high-tech topics. I'm Dan Olds from Intersect 360 Research, joined as always by my co-hosts, Henry Newman of Seagate Government Solutions, Shaheen Khan from Orion X, and our near-millennial standout, Jesse Lanham. In association with our media partner, HPC Wire, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another scintillating episode of Radio Free HPC. I'm Dan Olds, as usual. Well, I'm pretty much always Dan Olds. And we are joined by a full crew. We have Jesse Lanham out in the heartland in West Lafayette, Indiana. How's it going, Jesse? It's going well. It's a nice drizzly day out. Looks like it's kind of drizzly inside, or is your webcam that bad? It's probably that bad. I told you my internet's crap when it rains. It's, it's VGA, Dano. At best, it's VGA coming through a dial-up. It's, from what? it's actual, actually, it looks like a CRT tube from the 50s. <laughs> okay, all right. Anyone else want to say they're on the show today? You know what it does? And she's sitting there sipping tea. It looks like, a, it looks like yeah, it does look like, like soap opera afternoon. As I get bullied yes. on the internet. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, Hazi Harriet, I love Lucy look. Thanks. Yeah. And that was the uh, the dulcet tones of Henry Newman speaking from his survivalist compound in Las Cruces, New Mexico. How you doing, Henry? Dan, I am not in Las Cruces as usual. It's about 300 yards away, but I'm not there. You are in a survivalist compound, though. 23 and a half inches of rammed earth tells the story. Now, this is where you correct me and say it's 22 and 7 eighths. No, I'm not, not going to correct time? you. Okay. Nope. Okay. Shaheen Khan down in the valley. How are things down there? Uh, you know, it's 67 degrees, so it's starting to get cold, but no rain. Oh, yeah, <laughs> 67 <laughs> degrees. That's time to bundle up. You better wrap, really? your, better wrap your pipes just in Double case, Double up too. the blankets. Turn on yeah. the heat. Oh, yeah. It's, get it's, the pipe yeah. wrap in case they get chilled. Totally. It's 83 here, Shaheen, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better. Well, it's probably cool in your house because I can see the window through your video feed, and that is a pretty thick wall. It is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. As long the as we're giving out weather reports, it's between 55 and 57 degrees outside, depending on which of my sensors you believe. But it's wow. a uh, 76 inside. you got to feed all that data into your AI system. I really should. Yeah. But speaking of AI, let's talk about Exascale. We are hitting some milestones with uh, Exascale Day coming up, which we'll talk about. But Frontier looks to be the first Exascale installation that we're going to see in the U.S. and maybe anywhere else. It is being installed. Even as we speak, really? Cabinets are there. Oh, wow. But Dan, I would say Exascale systems that are on the top 500, we don't know what nation states have for Exascale systems that they are not discussing. I'm going to bet in the next six months there will be at least one, if not two, that are going to be China. rumored. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't tell you, I didn't even tell you the vendor. Sugon. Oh. I'm going to, I would bet. That's your bet. I see. But anyway. What What's were you going to say, Justin? Yeah, I was saying, yeah. backing up. Talk to our listeners about wh what Exascale is, why they should care. Exascale is big. 
it is a thousand times petascale. And we passed into petaflops back in, I want to say August of 2008 with the IBM Roadrunner system. I believe that's the right date. The uh, system that was the first one to hit petascale was declared victory and never spoken of again because it was damn hard to program. We're looking at nearly unimaginable processing power with this thing. But I mean, what kind of processing power? But Dan, what kind of processing power? Because 20 years ago, processing power was a floating point numbers. Good old integers, but floating point numbers. What's processing power today, given the, the new types of workloads? Well, you've got things ranging from the traditional full precision 64-bit floating point all the way down to Jensen flops which are very, very big, but nobody knows the precision of them. That's <laughs> named after Jensen Wang, who is the originator of them. Well, the formal and accepted definition is 64-bit high-performance LIMPAC benchmark for exascale. And while there can be exascale class systems that you might have other definitions for, what That's should qualify one. in the context of the HPC market is 64-bit LIMPAC. Don't you think? I, I don't think there's really any other major. And if you're going to try and, you know, split hairs on that, I'm not well, going to Well, you know, the, the, the point that I try to make is that this is really not about the worthiness of the metric or the, you know, or the quality of the rules or how tightly they're enforced. It's about the rules the way they are. So we decided that this is exaflop, let's not mess with it. Let's go see who gets there first. And by the way, as metrics go, it's a pretty good metric. It does, it's, it's really, it has served us very well and it will continue to. I think as long as we have HPCG for sort of the real world of it. Well, yeah, there is Graph 500, there is HPCG, Graph 500. there is Green yeah. 500, there is, you know, blah, blah, blah. There are all these other benchmarks that you can go to characterize the full kind of, you know, thing but, but uh, hpl you know top 500, 500 has yeah top 500 has rules hpl has rules and we're going to stick to the rules and along those lines henry i really don't think we should talk about elusive maybe there maybe not their systems and if there is no configuration information then they are definitely not talked about that's my recommendation i mean i, I don't want to talk about a machine i'm just saying the likelihood that systems exist is probably high that they don't want to talk about, but they've always existed. You know, the last, the last, it's not new. They've all there. There have always been systems that have opted out of playing, and I think that's a very legit thing for systems and sites to do. What, cool I, what I what I take exceptions to are systems that want to play without playing. They want to be yeah, you both can't sides say that, of the fence. You know, I've got a really big system here, and I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but man, it's really powerful, and it probably will be number three on the top 500 if I got to it. But I've got like better Microsoft, things to do. Like Microsoft did. Well, for example, I mean, and they say, oh, I've got better things to do than to run a benchmark. And I'm saying, well, if you've got better things to do, go do them. Don't, don't, don't play the game. You can't, like, play without playing. And if you don't have configuration info, then you cannot say anything. Correct. I, years, I don't disagree with that. Two years ago at the last in-person ISC, I saw the actual HPL readout uh, on a screen capture, uh, 319 petaflops. And that was, I believe, a Sugon system 
that never went public because of the political atmosphere. But I got to bet that they've probably doubled that up or tripled that up in the intervening years. And what was the config there? Do you remember? I had a bunch of processors and GPUs. Oh. <laughs> so it was a real computer then. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna memory? guess. Memory? It had memory? had memory. Uh, there oh, were okay. interconnects, oh, I believe. Yeah, huh. I, I did not see the whole config of it, but I believe that it was probably x86 AMD because Shugan has a license for that from AMD and has had for years. Not sure if it was their homegrown accelerator or GPUs, but there were a bunch of them in there. Yes, but I believe it's, it's academic because it didn't go on the list. I do believe a big challenge for system vendors is that their product roadmap is a processor roadmap of somebody else. Yeah, yeah, that's a challenge for for now. For now, correct. Yeah, I agree right. With that. And yeah. and the European exascale system is not. That is not the case for that. That's right. They're doing their own. Yeah, and you guys have a bet about that. Yes, we do. Do we? I thought you had a risk five bet. I don't remember the time frame. We'll have to go back through the tape and see. There's definitely a risk five bet, but I also don't remember the details. <laughs> it was something about when risk a risk five system will be in the top five hundred. There's always not as an, an accelerator. And I and, and I said twenty three. It no, it didn't matter if it was an accelerator. And I said twenty three. So basically, the bet is is if the Europeans are going to have a significant slip because that's, that's yeah, the, because they're talking about earlier than that. Yeah. They're they were on record as 22. Right. Yep. So I don't know, but anyway, speaking of exascale and exascale day, it is creeping up upon us. We're counting exascale down. day. Yeah. Is the 18th of October. What are your plans? Who's done decorating so far? I have done Give. nothing. Gifts? I have, I have yet gifts? to get my exascale decorations from the attic, Dan. Uh, yeah, I went up and got them last weekend. <laughs> so I've got the pole up, and I've got the, the arms that cascade down from it. And they're aluminum, as is tradition here, and have various electronic components and spare parts hanging from it. And we've got it done up in the, the coolest LEDs you could ever imagine. It's really neat. I mean, we have a whole, you know, two-day celebration that we do around here. When Your family goes hard for Exascale Day. Yeah. Then, <laughs> since Exascale will be worldwide, I think what you should do is start at the international dateline at midnight on the oh. 18th and go until the last time zone. That's what I think you should do, not two days. That's not a bad idea. Not go not live idea. with, uh, with yeah. a webcast from my living room in front of the pole and the gifts. Yep. That's and what I'm thinking. document the traditions, the yes. foods and the process the foods, and the, yeah. all the I rituals. Mean, one of the things we do on Exascale Eve is we benchmark all of our family uh, electronics with HPCG and HPL. To we see, graph the performance of every member of the family. <laughs> yeah, and the family member comes in for that too. <laughs> and so that, that whole evening is consumed with uh, drinking and benchmarking. Which is great. <laughs> drinking, of course, you mean drinking espresso, Dan? I assume you meant that. Uh, actually, that's energy drinks. Yeah. Red yeah. Now you got to run with should, the bowl. Well, you know, in in my familiar, we get jolt or taunt the monster because monster's got a pretty good energy drink too. But then 
everybody, we have people over the next day, kind of an open house. We open up our Exascale Day gifts, which are typically electronics. Then we have a, a big rush to everybody to charge them up at the same time and the lights dim in the house. <laughs> a lot of lithium in here at yeah. that point. We go around uh, the house and tune everything. We do some tuning, yeah. <laughs> then we do performance benchmarks on the new electronics and uh, put them in the log for next year. <laughs> this is great. So it, Shaping it's, up. it's heartwarming. It's great. It's a great tradition. <laughs> it brings the whole family together. It really does. <laughs> brings the whole neighborhood together. Anybody, you guys have any plans or any Exascale Day traditions you've been developing? I'm traveling. No. <laughs> Jesse? No. I, I, I don't, unfortunately. I probably should I think it's developed. That. Yeah, it's developing. I mean, I could get on board with an ex Exascale Day advent calendar. I think that's where I would start. You know, or you know this calls for a new production of Radio Free HPC Studios. We need a new play to commemorate this. This can be a Christmas Carol, day? but it's basically yeah. an Exascale Day. <laughs> I think we could come up with something. Clusters Pass, it said it's at. We can come with all sorts of bad ideas. I'm for some reason I had root that whole horrible cartoon or claymation thing of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer <laughs> programming in Fortran. Yes, <laughs> yes. Assembly, assembly, assembly. Yes. Real men talk directly to the hardware. That's what they always told me back in the day. They don't need intermediaries. <laughs> High level languages. Yeah. Damn so, compilers. Henry, is there a reason why nobody should be online this week, ever? There's so, there's so many reasons, Dan, but what the, the big thing that happened are the billions of people that uh, could not get to their Facebook, WhatsApp <laughs> app, and, <laughs> and, and Instagram. Yeah, and according to what I read, it's all because of uh, BGP and a mistake in BGP, which is- Now, what is that? Yeah. It's Border Gateway Protocol. And, and basically, it tells you where to go to find this address. Doesn't DNS you, do that? This is kind of above DNS. Hmm. So D, DNS, you know, the, you got to be able to know at a high level, well, I need to go to this server in this country over here, and there's the address. DNS looks that up, but you've got to know – be able to broadcast that where the address is. And somehow they messed it up. And, and I saw some things on uh, one site today where, you know, there's some bots out there. And when a site disappears, Facebook.com was for sale. Oh, <laughs> well, oh, these bot, it wasn't really for sale, but it, but these bots, like when, some, some, when something disappears from, from the internet, they automatically put it up for sale so, and you want to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> that so, would be outstanding. Did somebody yeah, buy it? <laughs> well, the, you couldn't it buy it because, the, you know, ICANN would never let you. But, but I mean, it does say something about how, how the Internet works between BGP and there have been other BGP errors you might have heard about mm -hmm. over the years. And about the fact that these bots are out there, and if you disappear, you're for you're, they assume you're gone and you're for sale. It's like it's like rats attacking a corpse after it just hits the ground. Before it bounces say, once, the, the rats are already on it. Nice analogy, Type of 
his tail. Yeah. 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 But so that's that's my story for this week. That's good enough. And if you hear that sound in the distance, that means it's time for the catch of the week. Jesse, what do you got? So my catch of the week is a shift in how SE is making money this year. So we had already heard the announcement that NVIDIA, Intel, AMD, et cetera, would do Dell and ARM as well, have decided to pull out of the SE conference this year and go completely virtual. And SE's response to this was that if you go virtual only, you're not only going to lose the money that you put forward in your booth, but you're also going to lose your priority points and your spot in the exhibitor forum. So there's is this your official this. response, Jesse, or is this, this, is, this? This is what individuals say that they are being told currently. And if you go to the SC website, there is a spot under the exhibitors that talk about what you have to, what packages they have available in order to participate virtually. So if you want a remote presence, they just say like remote presence, that's going to be a $20,000 or a $25,000 package. And they describe what goes into that. And it essentially seems that SC is deciding that if you go completely remote, that is the equivalent of canceling. So the question becomes, are people going to send a single person to sit on a folding table on a piece of carpet? do they want to engage me to do that? Because I'm going to be there. Pay Donalds to be your company. I will squat in your booth and I will tell your story. Oh, there you go. That's a market opportunity there now. Yeah, it is. Why don't we call all these companies that are not going and say we make it look like you did go? I will even wear, I'll wear khakis, I'll wear the uh, dress shirt, I'll have the, the full uniforms. package, have the uniform. And run, betwe- and run between booths. And run maybe between even, booths. And maybe <laughs> even give some demos. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rent a Segway to get between the booths. Perfect. And demos is perfect, Shaheen. Send your systems there. I mean, you're sending, you've already paid for all this, so you might as well send some systems. And uh, I'll get them set up. And I will be your physical booth presence in order to keep your precedence in terms of getting your booth next year. To protect your investment. Protect your investment. Yes. SC points are are, are hard to come by the way they're calculated. Yes. The best way way to come by them is to acquire the company that has them. That's a good way to go. Yes. Yes. So Henry, what do you got for a catch? I don't have anything. Empty net. Empty net. Empty handed. Okay, Shaheen? I do have something, and that is going to be a reminder of a wonderful and common and uh, oft-used-before project name called Monterey. (laughs) I saw that. Yes. For those of you who remember, you would be forgiven to think that Project Monterey has something to do with operating systems and such. But last year, about this time, VMware announced Project Monterey, a re-architecture, and I'm reading now, of VMware Cloud Foundation, VCF, from the hardware up to support various application requirements as customers deploy modern cloud-native applications over said VMware Cloud Foundation. So this one is with, uh, you know, the title is VMware's Project Monterey with NVIDIA Bluefield 2 DPU. So they're trying to use that, and they're, they just announced some early access program for uh, that project with NVIDIA and VMware. And there's some like Kubernetes mixed in here, and which is kind of competitive to VMware, but has such market momentum, you got to support it. 
I guess. And I think they're trying to subsume it and incorporate it into what they're doing, right? Yeah. It says uh, VMware's Project Monterey is an industry-wide collaboration to integrate smart NICs like NVIDIA's Bluefield DPU and extends VCF to support various new possibilities like improved performance for application infrastructure services, enhanced visibility and application security, bare metal operating system and applications, better overall TCO. So, yay. But, but the worst, but, yep, yes. say it, say it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so the choice of Monterey as a code name is very curious. Is, I don't know if I would say curious. I would say it's misguided. <laughs> I was going to use the word stupid, but maybe that's too much. <laughs> but if, and I was actually in the trenches in the first Project Monterey, yes, which was an operating system gambit by IBM, a company called SCO. Santa who, Cruz Operations. Who I don't think is around anymore. And uh, supposedly had wide support from the rest of the Unix community. It didn't. It was the <laughs> unification of Unix, wasn't it? It was. One Unix for us all. One for Unix, us all. it's all we needed. It was going to unite everybody. Cats would be sleeping with dogs. <laughs> Lions would lie down beside lambs. And we would all unite under this one Unix operating system. And it was just a horrible failure. Yeah, I don't think the project name has done well. Because I think it's been used a few times in the past. And Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but the thing is... No one remembers that but us. Well, they, the people who they're doing the current one are too young to even have any recollection they, of that. Well, they're too young, but where the kind of dumb parts comes in, if you're <laughs> going to have, if you're going to name a project, just Google it and see what it comes up with. Marketing people don't do that. Well, actually, nobody does literature survey anymore. Everybody sort of, I saw it first because I never looked at it. <laughs> so we must be the original ones that ever came. I but, mean, you know, maybe these guys will lift the curse and it will work and be successful this time. Well, we will see if the curse of Monterey is going to be lifted. We I think that's see. it, yes. Okay, moving along. I've got a catch of the week. University of Oregon physicists offer a new way to control qubits. And that comes out of U of O, which is awesome because I'm a U of O fan. One of the guys on this uh, is a co-recipient of the Nobel Prize Peace, uh, Prize in Physics in 2012. Uh, he holds the, the name is Wineland. He holds the Philip H. Knight Distinguished Research Chair in the Department of F Physics. You may know Philip Knight because he is the owner, the founder of founder Nike. Founder of Nike, yeah. And University of Oregon, in all ways, is sort of his factory team. <laughs> he supports the football and basketball and all sports programs. And uh, physics now, too, added to that. The thing that these guys are talking about is that there are a bunch simpler ways to get the errors out of, out of uh, quantum processing. And that the big folks from IBM and Google are not they're misguided they're not taking the the right path on this they overcomplicated the problem is essentially what they're, they're overcomplicating everything they overcomplicated <laughs> quantum dang it yeah <laughs> yeah why, why are you complicating quantum it's such a simple yeah, thing to really, with. let's add some let's add some more complexity to it you always take something simple and complicated <laughs> yeah yeah so he's come up with new ways of quantum error correction yes and that's like a really big 
piece that's of the puzzle. That's, 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 that's a, a big limiting, piece of the puzzle. It's yeah. a limiting factor. Well, right up now, to this point, their their goal is to get ten thousand operations without error, and right now you can't. You're going to get an error per hundred operations, I which see. is a little bit on the shaky side, like error prone. There's lots of lots of errors. Yeah. And of course, the more errors you have, the more qubits you need to make up for each other. And that's part of the until, problem. Until you get to a point where you have too many qubits and you're generating errors by having more qubits. <laughs> just, which and those, the thing just melts down into one <laughs> slag of nothing. Yeah, just and, that's, sits there. and that's why error, error reduction in errors is critical for us to get to the next step of quantum. Because adding qubits only works to a point. And yes. Then, yes. You and, have the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. And they're saying that that's why they want to get to 10,000 ops without an error. Then they're going to add layers to check, check layers to fix errors past that. But it's great to put O on the map of quantum computing. Yeah, and nice but, job there. But put, put this in perspective, 10,000, the error rate of our standard Ethernet channel for bit error rate without correction is 10 to the 12 bits. Yep. So that's a little more than 10,000. Uh-huh. The error rate of the SAS channel is 10 to the 21st bits, and the error rate for memory, I believe, is in the 10 to the 33rd, somewhere wow. around there. I mean, wow. so 10,000 ops without an error is a pretty low bar, computing-wise. Yes, that was my point. But and they got to start somewhere. Here's On this that the first, note. Yeah, this is the first time I hear a number bigger than Avogadro. Yeah. It's a big number. Yep. Okay. Big numbers. We've got to all hop. We got hard stops. Well, none of us do except Henry. So <laughs> thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Stay in touch. Drop us an email at podcast at radiofreehpc.com. Particularly if you remember what Project Monterey was, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> thank you again. Stay tuned for much more content to come. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yay! Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. Reach out to us on email at podcast at Radio Free HPC or via Twitter at Radio Free HPC. As a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thanks again for listening.